It is due by Worry with a furlong to go. Midnight Shadow is pricked. Has an advantage of six or seven lengths. What a finish for the crowd to salute. But it's Frodon who's hanging on to the lead. And Frodon has made all. And gives Paul Nicholas a bit. Left from Chase under Brian E. Frost. Chris Tusa, and this is Charlie Bradford. Welcome back to the Midas Touches, episode nine. It's the Christmas special, everybody. Ooh. Happy Christmas. Um, I'm joined at the moment by Charlie, who's up in Grantham, the home of Margaret Thatcher. How's it going up yes. there, mate? Yeah, all good, thank you. Um, looked like we could have got a bit of snow at one point. Uh, as you know, we're quite far up north up It's there. always snowing up there, but... isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. But no, it just held off. Uh, getting pretty festive. I put my uh, presents under the tree. So... That's you know, those lucky people are going to be hopefully, um, you know, happy on Christmas Day when I when they receive those presents. We had uh, a, but yeah, it's, it's going well. We we had a bit of a uh, an early Christmas last week, though, didn't we? With um, the way that our selections ran. We had, obviously, Dubai Warrior winning. Yes, that was very good. We we got we nailed that race, to be honest. Uh, very happy with how that turned out. And yeah, cause given that that was the second time we took that horse, I was quite happy that it came in this time. And even, um, you know, Phoenix Way, one for the road, both coming second at 14 to one. Those were also pretty, pretty uh, exciting to watch. And to be fair, and Sam holding off Phoenix Way in second, I'd say that he's <sighs> he's actually slowly becoming a bit of a friend of the podcast. And Sam. Yeah, <laughs> as is his trainer, Evan Williams, I think. Yeah, well, Evan, Evan's always, always been a fan. He's always been a big, big friend of the podcast, hasn't he? yeah true, true um yeah no it could yeah. have been it could have been a fairy tale that uh but at least we've got a bit more room for improvement for the final episode of this christmas festive yuletide period yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely i've been asking father christmas for three naps for this weekend so hopefully fingers crossed that's good you're gonna be, uh, yeah you'll be napping hard um which yeah. is the way that we like it Right, let's uh, let's look ahead at this week. First of all, very happy Christmas to everyone out there. You might be uh, making your mince pies, having a cup of tea, you know, listening to the uh, or have just listened to the King's Carol uh, service at King's Chapel. Um, <laughs> but we're glad to to have you guys on board as well. Um, we're lucky enough to be joined later on by ITV Racing's. Ollie Bell. Brad, you looking forward to, to seeing Ollie later? Really excited. Um, I've never met Ollie before. Uh, so looking forward to meeting him and obviously talking about what has been a very, you know, notable career in racing to date. So yeah, very excited to uh, hear what he has to say. Yeah, I've um, labelled him on my notes as racing's number one bachelor. 
So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll have to find out what he thinks of that title later on. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> in terms of the uh, yeah, there aren't many bachelors in racing. To be fair, <laughs> I mean there are a few, but uh, eligible. Is, George uh, Chat. Yeah, he's another one, I guess. <laughs> he does yeah. have a girlfriend though. Um, True. Anyway, let's look at the races this weekend. So we're going to be looking at the uh, King George. Obviously, the big one at Kempton on Boxing Day at 3.05. Sorry, we just wanted to let you guys enjoy the rest of that carol. We're also going to be heading up the A1 to Weatherby for the 210 there, which is the William Hill Roland Mayrick Handicap Chase, a grade three uh, where we should have a nice, tasty field. And then we're going to get Ollie to look at the Welsh Grand National at Chepstow, which happens on the 27th of December. Obviously, there's not many crowds there, which is a pretty controversial matter given the fact that Omicron is two-thirds less likely to put you in hospital. But we're not going to get into that today. <laughs> um, why don't we kick off with that, King George? You, um, you're pretty keen on me giving my verdict here. Yeah, I am. So take it away, Tresco. Okay. Well, I'll run you through the market quickly. We've got Clanders Ober obviously heads the market. Threes, Manella Indo, 10 to 3. Chantry House 9 to 2. Asterion Falange comes across from Ireland. For William Ireland's 11 to 2. Frodon, last year's champion, at 6s. Lost in translation at 14s. And then Mr. Fisher, St. Calvados, and Tornado Fly are all a little bit bigger. Um, I actually quite liked a couple of right at the foot of the market Mr. Fisher and St. Calvados. I thought Mr. Fisher uh, could be quite interesting if he can jump well having had that form tie on his last run last season against Frodon, where he looked to have him beat uh, and then actually got done by a neck um, without being harsh to Nico de Boinville. I think that Sean Byrne might give him a good ride um, and I'm interested to see how he comes back and it's obviously a positive that Nicky's kept him in the race, uh, having said that he needed to see a good piece of work before leaving him in there. St. Calvados, another one, fourth in this race last year, travelling really strongly in the home straight until ultimately tiring. Uh, at that point was trained by Harry Whittington. Obviously, the uh, horses of that owner have all been moved over to Paul Nichols, who is the king of this race. So it'll be interesting to see how that one fares. But for me, I think Calanders Oboe probably will get back on the uh on the winning on the winner's step of the of the uh, podium this weekend i think that last year i don't know what you think but i i thought harry cobden gave him a bit of a stinker last year and um really it just set up for Bryony to sort of stack him up go really slow and then kick on the home straight and she just kept finding um did Bryony. whereas uh clander's was just left uh, right out the back, had way too much work to do and ultimately got a bit tired. But Kempton's his home track. 
Uh, it's going to be pretty good ground, uh, which should be absolutely fine for him. And as we know, Paul Nichols has an incredible rate, uh, record in this race. Uh, so I think it's going to be a tough task for Minella Indo to come over here and uh, down him. But we do know that De Bromhead knows what he's doing. And obviously with Rachel Blackmore having won the World Sports Personality of the Year, uh, she's clearly going to have her tail up as well. So, you know, it's going to be a very exciting race. But for me, I, I think Klanders Obo is going to get back in the winner's enclosure. And um, I'd like to see Mr. Fisher and St. Calvados running well. Yeah, agreed. I think um, one thing I would add on that would be that um, I'm not too sure that Mr. Fisher is very good after a long layoff, uh, given that he's never won after a layoff. So he's very vulnerable for wind terms <laughs> but the the betting probably suggests that so yeah exactly i think it's you're a getting, minor point you're getting a little bit of, co- uh, of compensation there um and we'll just have yeah. to to cross our fingers and see what happens obviously with frodo winning last year at 20s i just sort of thought um you know it's always worth putting up putting, yeah putting one up and, and, I, yeah, and I, don't, for... I don't i don't dislike some Galvados, i think yeah yeah for people heading, heading to boxing uh to Kempton on boxing day might be a Nice one to throw a couple of quid at each way, of course. Um, right, let's uh, let's. Do you want to quickly look at the one twenty, or should we head up to Weatherby on the A one? Uh, let's head up to Weatherby on the A one. Okay, so we're go, you can go. drive past me and say hi. Yeah, we're we're driving past Grantham and we're on our way up to Weatherby in our yeah. um, well, I guess in our sleigh. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, just bringing Christmas presents for all. Uh, we've got Silver Hallmark currently heads the market three to one. Debis eleven to two. Good boy Bobby sixes. Empire Steel thirteen to two. Cloudy Glen, the uh, Hennessy Gold Cup champion, fifteen to two. Windsor Avenue also at that price. Topville Ben eights, and they're twelve to one. Bar those. Why don't you fire away with your selection here? Yeah, sure. So so I'll keep it quite simple here, I think. Um, I've got a bit of like a theory that uh, my selection, Windsor Avenue, is on quite a winnable mark. Uh, I think, basically, just to give a bit of context to that, what I, what I think is he, he essentially, what happened is he got hammered as a novice chaser uh, with a really high rating of 153 and essentially hasn't quite recovered from that ever since. Um, while still managing to run a few good races in between that. Uh, he's now down to a mark of 145, having been put up two pounds uh, for a really good run last time in behind Snow Leopard S at Banger. Snow, Le- Snow Leopard S has actually gone out and won since, so that uh, that form close in behind that horse has, has been franked there. Uh, he actually has a, a three pound claimer on those so technically he's, he's one pound lower than that mark uh, from banger and i just feel that given that he was ridden by sean quinlan that day at banger and is now they're now deciding to put down a three pound claimer having gone up two pounds i just have a sneaky suspicion that maybe they thought that was quite a winnable mark uh, and it had just happened to bump into one in snow leopard s who was seriously well handicapped um so yeah it's slight conjecture there but like uh, I think there is like, um, you know, method in the madness. Um, I also would just quickly add that he was third in the race last year, uh, running a really good um, race in behind Canelo, 
he actually recorded his highest ever RPR uh, in this race last year. So that is another promising um, sign, I guess. Uh, and I think the three miles will suit and the soft ground will also suit. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping for a decent run here without being like too excited about this horse. So, so yeah, good, a good each way bet perhaps. Yeah, that looks good. I really like the fact that he is coming down in the weight since his, since his run in this last year. I think that's always pretty pretty significant. Um, and for a trainer to go for the same race again uh, also. So, yeah. That's, he, also um, has, he also has very Christmassy colours as well. It's green, green, <laughs> yeah. green, red and white, which is quite nice. I think that's like nice symmetry. So hopefully, it looks you like know. A, looks like a Christmas tree, doesn't it? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, okay, perfect. So we've wrapped up both the King George and the William Hill Roland Mayrick Handicap Chase. Uh, so let's uh, now we would be going over to Chepstow, but we're going to let that be handled by the pro Ollie Bell, who's going to tackle that later. Um, let's get back into our uh, sleigh driven by <laughs> our flying reindeer and head back down to Kempton back in time as well for the, <laughs> for the 120, where you have a very confident selection. Yeah, I've got a little, uh, basically Christmas uh, for our listeners doesn't end on the 25th because at one twenty-five, let's say, um, on the 26th at Kempton, I think I'll be winning you all loads of money uh, in the form of Danny Kerwin. Uh, this horse trained by Paul Nick was ridden by Harry Cobden. Uh, I think is a really good bet for this race. Um, the main thing that I'm looking the point the main point that I'm looking at here is his uh, last run uh, where he finished second uh, at, at Cheltenham in behind annual Invictus now that horse has already won next time out um, the third in that race torn and frayed uh, has finished second behind none other than the Marsh second favorite my Drogo um, so that is some very decent form Fourth, uh, fourth in the Cheltenham race, Bavois won next time out and then finished second behind an impressive winner. So actually for the exact same connections as this horse um, in a horse called Pictori. Uh, and then also the last in the Cheltenham race back on the lash that um, won next time out as well. So basically it threw up loads of winners that race. It was very impressive. Uh, he's not been put up a single pound for that. So uh, running off the same mark here of one three three. Um I think that um, he, well, he definitely likes Kempton. He's won here once and uh, finished second another time in his only two runs at, at the course. Uh, and I think also for anyone who watched his last race, um, he was tending to go a bit right-handed here. Um, so actually getting back to a right-handed track um, compared to, you know, Cheltenham being a left-handed track, obviously. Uh, I think that should hopefully help his cause as well. Um I think uh, obviously this is you know this is going to be hopefully a big day for for Paul Nichols with the with the King George in mind later on the card. Um, so yeah, he'll be looking for a nice little um, little winner to calm the nerves, and I think this should uh, should hopefully deliver that for him in in the form of Danny Kerwin. So yeah, Danny <laughs> Kerwin uh, for Nichols and Cobden for me in the one twenty. Lovely, lovely stuff. Um... Yeah, I mean, I feel that could actually go off a fair bit shorter as well. Everyone, yes, everyone will turn up to Kempton on Boxing Day and get the hots for Paul Nickel. 
uh, <laughs> Paul Nichols even. And uh, I could see that one going off a pretty short favour. I've seen a lot of people talking about it on Twitter as well. So well done for um, for picking that one up. Uh, I've got a little uh, Christmas present as well. So if you thought Christmas ended at one twenty-five on Boxing Day, you were wrong because it doesn't end until three until the the 3.30 at Leopardstown is over where we have a very interesting unraced son of Walk in the Park out of Corvega who goes for Willie Mullins currently 8 to 11 favourite although I think that could drift a little bit because there are three previous winners uh, behind him in the market that horse yeah. is called Facile Vega for anyone who's wondering yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously a couple of people, you know, a few people might have a little hangover on Boxing Day. So to win a bit of money and, you know, to sit in front of the racing could be quite a nice activity. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And, um, you know, what we've got coming up after the break is also going to be pretty exciting. Absolutely. Uh, right. Let's go for that break. We're going to not go and have a pizza or a touch or anything because we're uh, in different places but after the break we're going to be welcoming ollie bell to the program we'll see you after the christmas music welcome back to the midas touches christmas special it's an absolute pleasure to welcome our guest for this week. He's presented horse racing on TV from the depths of Down Under to the heights of York in Northern England. He's currently the host of ITV's The Opening Show, a bandit golfer, and as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, racing's number one bachelor. It's Ollie Bell, everyone. Hi, mate. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Tristan very sweet of you not at all mate it took me uh took me a, a few hours to uh to get it all <laughs> on point uh but yeah thanks for coming on uh no worries it's um it's great to be on and um yeah sorry unfortunately i'm <clears throat> uh currently isolating with covid so apologies if my voice is a bit croaky but um yeah no looking forward to uh to chatting to you guys and hopefully having a few winners over the christmas period yeah fingers crossed mate fingers crossed um we're going to start uh, before we get your three horses uh, for the weekend. I think Brad Bear's got a couple of questions about your career so far. So I'll let Charlie take it away. Yeah. So, well, firstly, nice to meet you, Ollie. Obviously, we, we haven't met uh, as of yet, but it's uh, good to meet you. And, uh, I've heard and about you, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I hope good stuff, obviously. Um, yeah, I just, I, I wanted to know, uh, I wanted to take right back to the beginning and just wanted to get a steer on like, where did your passion for presenting start? Obviously, we did a bit of research before and uh, saw that you did uh, a radio show on uh, at school, um, back when you were at school. So, so I imagine that was one of the, you know, inspiring moments in your early career. But yeah, just a bit more about like, how you got into the game, you know, where did the passion begin? Were you at Oundle as well, Charlie? I was, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we are obviously referring to Oscar Radio. Which I don't know yeah. if Tress has told you, but he also did a show on on that same radio show. So uh, it's quite a funny coincidence that. 
it's where all the greats begin i think that's what i that's what i've been telling everyone else as well uh so obviously as you guys know that that broadcast to about i think like a half a mile radius (laughs) it probably gets to like launderer and that's about it um but yeah so i i was a drama scholar at Oundle, so i was always like kind of probably a bit of an attention seeker i guess and like the sound of my own voice and whatnot and um and anyway once uh i fell out with the drama department i sort of needed to find my energy somewhere else so then i presented I think I don't can't remember what time it was. I think it was the breakfast show or something for Oscar Radio, and um, and look as we know, and anyone who's listened to Oscar Radio knows, it's not great quality. I mean, it's a great service for us at that age to have, right? Like, yeah, how many fourteen, fifteen year olds can say they can sit in a radio studio and you know twiddle the knobs and you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's a great experience, and then. And then from there, actually, when I can't remember actually at school, but did we have to do like work experience or something in my head? Like when you get to like 16, you had to fill out a form and like had to do work. Experience. Yeah, you did. I think it was sort of two or three years in. You had to do three days or something. Three days. There was something that like sort of school made us do work experience. And because I really enjoyed doing the radio stuff, I thought because my dad, who's a, a broadcaster as well, and we had like a relatively sort of checkered relationship growing up, but it was kind of a really good way of like reconnecting with him. So I yeah. said to him, look, I need to do this stuff and uh, need to do some work experience. He goes, I'll come to this. I can't remember where it was, radio studio somewhere, make tea for everyone, see what it's like. And it's the same like adage really that is wheeled out so many times, but someone was ill. So I got given a microphone, got told to interview someone and got told I was all right at it. So every school holiday after that, um, you know, uh, when it wasn't the vampire ball or the feathers or whatever it was back in the day, <laughs> yeah, I'd be going off and uh, and doing work experience. And I worked from the age of about 15, really. I, I sort of worked every holiday quite pretty, pretty hard, to be fair. Um, barring the old party here or there, I would, I would basically work full time in the holidays so it was I was pretty dedicated to it from a young age and I definitely didn't want to go to university yeah so whenever founder was like go to university I was like convinced that that was a waste of time so um I was a bit of a black sheep of my year but um it was the best decision I ever made and you worked down in Australia didn't you for Sky down there how was that yeah brilliant yeah because that I basically and this is advice I'm sure I know Tristan you and I have spoken about it in the past and for anyone that wants to get into media, I think it's really important to sort of cut your teeth behind the scenes. And so I did, I got a job from leaving school. I sent off a load of CVs. I got a job making tea at Racing UK. I had to wait like eight months to get confirmation that I had the job. So it was like very much a cutoff between like, okay, well, I'm going to go to uni because no one wants me or um, or get a job anyway. It happened just on the cutoff. Um, so I learned like four years behind the scenes, which was invaluable. But I always wanted to be a presenter. Racing UK employed me knowing I would be a presenter. And then, yeah, then I got offered a job age 22, full-time living on the beach in Manly, presenting a TV programme and playing football. So <laughs> it was, it was pretty, pretty good. good. It's <laughs> not bad. Apparently, you played quite a good level out there, right? Football, yeah, I mean. played a decent, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, played a decent standard, yeah. Played for North Sydney, so it was like... Not no way. So- yeah, not too far off like the top league. But um but what happened was when I got there, I didn't know anyone. And it's so I there's quite in the period from Oundle to like coming back from Australia was like I crammed a lot in because as Tristan mentioned at the top, I played poker when I was 
working behind the scenes at Racing UK. So I had like a double life there. So I'd be like making tea for everyone, but also going to like these incredible casinos and playing in like European poker tour main events and things. Bit of like a juxtaposition that. that sort of making yeah, like, tea. I've done like twelve grand a year for Racing UK, <laughs> buying into like twenty grand tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> So it was like just totally bonkers, but I was sort of staked by a professional poker player who recognised I had talent, blah, blah. Anyway, then I got to Australia. My house burnt down about three days before I left to Australia. So I had literally a two-year, well, three-year contract, I think, and like a five-year visa or whatever it was. And I got to the boarding gate and she was like, you know, you're moving here. And I literally had like old WH Smith bag. (laughs) She's like, just with my passport. I was like, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, to explain the story, stank of ash. But I didn't know anyone when I got there. So I Googled football teams and at Aundel, like, you know, Aundel football's crap. But that was, you know, I, I had trials for clubs when I was a kid and stuff. Like I was pretty comparatively good for like, yeah. Aundel. But in the real world, that's rubbish. Anyway, got to got to Australia, found this club online and there were like 10 teams and I turned up for pre-season. They put me in like the sixth. And I was like kicking a ball around, and then they moved me up to the fifth, the fourth, the third, the second. And like Pretty about handy. three days before the first game of the season, I got into the first. And then they gave me a contract for a couple of years, which was unbelievable. And the first game I played, uh, I was man marked by Spencer Pryor. Do you remember the Leicester and Man City defender? No. <laughs> and like the first time I got the ball, I'm like, oh God, I don't even, one, I don't really know how I've ended up here. Then anyway, but he literally like crunched my legs and I was like, I'm terrified. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so anyway, I, play, I ended up playing for them for two years and it was the best time of my life, really. I was young, single, yeah. living in Australia, s- claiming to be a professional sportsman and also <laughs> learning how to be a presenter. So it's a pretty, it, um, it's a pretty it's nice a way pretty... to live. And to be fair, <laughs> you're now um, having quite a nice time in the UK. I mean, there's obviously a very famous picture of you at Royal Ascot after Big Orange won the Gold Cup uh, talking to the Queen. What's she like? Yeah, yeah she's all right, yeah. Um, <laughs> I th- I, no no treason on this show, please. <laughs> Every time I talk about this story, like I, it, it kind of doesn't seem real, really, the whole thing. And also, I never really know... I think people expect me to be like, say she was, I mean, obviously it's a crazy experience. Like I can't really put it into words. I was like minding my own yeah. business. I had a director telling me to like get an interview and then the Queen's representatives, like she wants to speak to you. So I'm like now like tripping out basically, but it was <laughs> just like having a chat to someone's granny or yeah. mum. You know I mean, like it was like, Oh, Hey, you're having a nice day. And, and I think when I came back on, because after the the bit that I came back onto the podium and everyone's like, oh my God, how was it? And I was like, yeah, it was all right. Just sort of chatting about the race. And <laughs> I don't really know whether, I mean, obviously I probably should have done something like really different and like bowed. But I think one of the things that is really important to remember starting out in media or any industry, actually, not to sound like preachy, but whether you meet the queen or whether you meet the guy that's like dropping off the parcels and the work, like treat everyone exactly the same, right? And yeah. then you'll get kind of the respect that you deserve. Definitely. So that's my outlook and always has been in life. And I hope I never lose that. So talking to her was cool. She's the queen. She's obviously someone I've like seen from afar for a lot, but she likes racing. So do you. So it was no different to talking to anyone else really on the day. <laughs> yeah. Such a cool experience. Um, 
Yeah, it's bonkers. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I watch it back a lot, and I'm like, well, that was quite cool. But it was cool because we were meant to be going to a break, and I remember what everyone was saying in my ear because they're like, go to a break, go to a break. And then I come into shot, and I hear the director go, is that, is that Ollie? <laughs> and I'm like, one on with the Queen. And then I could hear Ed's commentary over it. And it was like, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, it is a memory that I will cherish yeah. forever and, can, and thankfully can look back on as well. Yeah, it's quite nice to have that like on TV in, uh, yeah. you know, you can watch the video whenever you want. So cool. Um, presenting at Royal Ascot must be amazing. I mean, that's such a huge event, an international um, sort of sporting fixture. Is that one of your fra- favourites to work at? uh yeah i mean look it's a great it's a great a sporting event it's pretty the most uncomfortable because it's boiling and you're wearing those stupid outfits <laughs> uh, so you just end up sweating for five days ruining shirts um look it, it's incredible for me personally i think cheltenham and aintree are like the most enjoyable yeah. to a goodwood as well i like i love york I think Asker is obviously like prestige and, and history and quality of racing. Like you can't really beat it on the flat, but um, it's it's Ascot's the hardest. I do the opening show. We're on all, all all day in the afternoon. It's hot. It's like not that my job is hard in any way, but it is a bit of a slog. Ascot, whereas Cheltenham and Aintree, you can have a bit of fun and the people are, are great. And you've obviously got. So, oh, let's sorry, Charlie. So you go. Ask, do you still find it like? difficult to enjoy it in the same way as you would as a, as a spectator because obviously like you do have a job to do when you're there um and like like festivals like Cheltenham are great fun right you know and you know even after the racing and stuff like that do you sort of slightly struggle to enjoy it in quite the same way yeah it's a good question I was actually talking to someone about this the other day because like loads of people go racing through the year right and so when there are stag days and it's like oh we'll go for a day at the races and to me, because that's essentially my office, it's not my idea of hell because, you know, you have a good experience there, but yeah. but you can't, it, it, it kind of becomes so normal that not necessarily, I suppose you do probably take it for granted a bit and it kind of just takes the edge off it a bit. Whereas if it's rare and you're going racing like once or, you know, maybe five times a year, it's kind of like a, a big day out. But I'm there, I don't know, 60, 70 times a year. So I'm just saying kind of, well, more than that, probably actually about 120 times a year, but yeah, you know, it's kind of, yeah, I, I guess the older I've got, the more transactional my relationship with racing is. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. But you still, I mean, you must still, those, those events sort of such as, you know, two for gold winning the other day, the horse that you're involved with, um, that must really get the, the heartstrings going. Oh yeah. Like Cheltenham this year, <laughs> sorry um obviously bizarre because there was like that was such a pathetic cough as well <laughs> um anyway uh it was bizarre because there was no crowd so the, the atmosphere was weird yeah uh, seeing rachel do what she did like racing is a sport that gets regularly the hairs on the back of my neck standing up um for, for so many reasons like drama um human interest stories emotion um rags to riches like it's got everything right yeah particularly national hunt racing so i often of a day whether it's a tuesday or a saturday find myself either watching it or being at the course being like wow that's incredible and that's why i love it what i mean by the sort of transactional side is that like i get in my car and i go to work and that's at the race course and i think 
you know, like people get in the car and go for a day out of the races. So that's where yeah. it's different. But I I don't think I ever have a day at work where there does there where something where I leave and nothing's made me feel something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah, of course. That is why I love sport, really. It always makes you feel something. Yeah. And just on two for gold then, what are the plans for the the season? Obviously one that that race at Doncaster on the uh, on the eleventh of this month. Ran at the Grand National Meeting in the um was it the Topham last year? Yeah, he didn't, he didn't enjoy that. Um, that was my idea and that went very badly wrong. What are your what are your plans in the future for this one? Don't know actually he's he's a very good horse and he's he, hardy um, hardy as anything yeah do you know what I, that that is a massive asset for us because i don't think he'll ever win by like 10 15 lengths he'll win by half a length yeah and given his attitude like he's probably just a bit of a dosser like he's tough and he does not like to lose which is great watching him is absolute hell <laughs> yeah. i love the horse so I can much. Imagine. he's an absolute legend and he never knows when he's beat. I, I, the answer to your question, sorry, is that I have no idea what the plans are. We took ages to find suitable ground for him. So his season started late. I don't know whether we'll go to the Channel Festival. There's no immediate race that I know of. Um, so we'll just wait and see. But um, wherever he goes next, I, I still think he's probably got like five pounds up his sleeve. Nice. So he's one to keep an eye on because I think yeah. if we find the right race for him, he can probably pick up another decent prize. Yeah. That's great. Well, that's good to hear. Um, I could talk for hours, uh, but we do have an important thing at hand, which is getting your three selections for the races that we're looking at this weekend. We're going to start with the 210 at Weatherby, which is the William Hill Roland Mayrick Handicap Chase, a grade three over three miles. Who did you pick in this one? Um the horse i liked to be honest this was a tough race to find the winner of i thought that windsor avenue Ooh, that's very interesting i'll tell you why after you've said why <laughs> why is charlie laughing he's picked the same one yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably not it's not a good endorsement then i don't know uh, no 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 uh the the uh, the reason is the form of his run last time out was frank um, when he finished second and that was at Banger behind Snow Leopardess who obviously won well at Aintree uh, and prior to this finished third in the race 12 months ago I remember about three years ago this horse won like a three-runner novice event yeah uh, and someone said to me Brian Everson thought it was the best horse he's had for ages um, and he hasn't kicked on but he's definitely talented I think potentially he was a bit soft early on in his career and now I think he's, well, I think he probably has the capability of being a bit more of a man. So, yeah. Anyway, Windsor Avenue. That race is very tough, though. Yeah. Uh, and then the winner of that. taking the uh, trip back down the A1 on our sleigh pulled by reindeer. King George at 305. Um, Again, not easy. And I'm probably going to hate myself for doing this. But I've gone for one at a massive price. Uh, and there's there's a very very good backstory to this horse. Yeah. So every year, I ask Ruby Walsh on when I see him, normally around January, for a horse from Willie Mullins's to back at the Cheltenham Festival. Yeah. And 
the reason I do that is because about seven years ago, I can't remember exactly when, I Ruby asked me to fly over to Ireland and host a Cheltenham Festival preview night to raise money for his daughter's school, which was like in threat of shutting down. So obviously there wasn't a fee involved. I was like, yeah, I'll do that. No bother. So I flew to Ireland, got myself out of there. Blah, blah. And we were on the panel and he circled a horse's name, Black Hercules, in the list of the JLT runners. Yeah. And he goes, that's your fee for coming over tonight. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, he's running in that race. And I was like, well, he's favorite for the four miler, favorite for the three miler. He's 50 to one for the JLT. Why would they run him in the JLT? Anyway, I was like, that's really interesting. I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this because it is possibly inside the show. Dude. I might <laughs> get Ruby warned off forever. But he didn't tell me it was, he didn't say like it will definitely win. He was just like, I think yeah. it's going to run in that race, right? So anyway, so I was like, okay, fine. It was 50 to one. I've gone home the next day. I've gone to my local bookmaker, had 20 pounds each way on it and it wins. So thereafter every year, Tornado Flyer as a bump horse was the one the following year. Interesting. So anyway, I've got a WhatsApp group called The Flyer in honor of Tornado Flyer. And it is my most used and amusing WhatsApp group. And it is genuinely incredible and it's two of my best mates who like racing and we just talk about bets and stuff we back the flyer religiously wherever he goes we back him blind and we're skint for it but i think <laughs> the king george is going to be his race i thought he ran all right last time and stepping up in trip will suit him and at a massive price not that there are doubts about the favorite but like say for example clander's oboe um he sh like he should go well, but like he was beaten in in the yeah. race last, last year. Yeah. Um, I mean, Minella Indo is Kempton going to suit him? I don't know. I think it's a race where we might see an upset. So for me, Tornado Fly. But you know, some people, I always get asked for tips from people, and then someone will go to me. Oh, I've backed that one because of the name or the the you yeah. know the jockey's middle name is the same as my cousin's or whatever. They will be the people that walk out of the races richer than, than me. <laughs> yeah. I was studying the form. So because I have a WhatsApp group in his name, I'm going to go with Tornado. Lovely. Fire. I love it. Um, okay. So the following day, we have tasked you with the Welsh Grand National at Chepstow. Um, who did you land on in that one? I think there's a good bet in this, actually. Uh, ooh, where is it? Um, Elegant Escape. Ooh. Uh, who won the race a few years ago he was actually sent off nine to four favorite in the race uh last year was it in yeah. 2019 uh and that was off the mark six pounds higher which is boring technical to speak but anyway he's he's well treated by the handicapper and he had a really encouraging comeback run at Sandown. And because Native River's in the race, I'm essentially repeating the case that a friend of mine, Paul Keeley, made on the Racing Post podcast, but I totally agree with him. Yeah. He's carrying 11 stone two, and he's carried higher in the race before. Anyway, I just think he's absolutely primed for a massive run, and he likes Chepso, which I think is, is a... And the Tizards have had a real turn in form this season, haven't they, compared to last? Yeah, last year, you can just put a line through pretty yeah. much all the Tizard runners. So yeah, I think Elegant Escape at around about 16... 16 to 1, I think he's a good bet. Lovely. Okay, well, that's perfect. So we've got those three selections from Ollie. So just to reiterate, we've got uh, for, for a first place, you get 20 points. For a second place, it's 15. 
and for a third it's Isn't 10 yeah and we we keep a little league table on our Ooh, instagram and uh, there's going to be a prize for the person who's, who's eliza bradbury is leading my, she, my sister's leading yeah she picked she had not so sleepy and she had fiddler on the roof about three weekends ago so she had a first and a second um and then my sister's in second with 20 points having picked earl of the cotswolds because she went on holiday to the cotswolds once <laughs> so um yeah exactly that exactly we look forward to seeing how your selections get on um we've got now a little quick far q a just to round off proceedings um when you're ready i will begin i'm, I'm, I'm born ready okay Fire away. favorite christmas film um home alone john bond or constitution hill Constitution Hill. Day at the race course or a day on the golf course? <laughs> race course? <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to delivery? Uh, wing stop, which is Rick Ross's chicken wing shop in London. Lovely. <laughs> nice little name drop there. Um, if you had to choose only one, turkey. He's a rapper. I don't know, by the way. I'm just sorry, <laughs> not on <laughs> it's from like the bronx <laughs> if you had to choose only one turkey or trimmings trimmings i don't like turkey <laughs> same principle ed chamberlain or francesca kamani um both lovely. i know you're saying to pick one but i'd have a full plate there lovely uh great uh, pc answer there um, <laughs> that wraps up the quick fire q a uh, and our interview with you, Ollie. It's been such a pleasure to have you on. Um, Thanks for asking me on. I've loved it. Not at all. No, I mean, it's been great to introduce you to Charlie as well. And I'm sure that we would love to have you on again in the future um, if you are willing. Yeah, whenever, whenever you need. And it, when, well, see, I'll, I'll chat to you, I'm sure, very soon. But um, no doubt I'll see you lads racing as well. Awesome. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Ollie, thank you so much. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Cheers, lads. What a great interview that was. Charlie. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I thought you were going to say something else. But yeah, no, that was fantastic. Um, really great to hear everything Ollie had to say. Uh, I just want to thank him, obviously, for coming on the podcast. Like, uh, it's, it's great to get someone so high profile on. You know, so early in 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 like the inception of this podcast. Um, so yeah, thanks to him. But yeah, great, great, great content. I think. Yeah. Now that now this is a period of thanks um, uh, and giving, I would like to say thank you to our listeners for sticking by us throughout the last nine episodes. It has been so much fun to produce uh, and create every single episode. Um, I know I speak for myself and I presume Charlie's the same. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Thank you listeners for uh, for engaging with us. Uh, we find it really fun. We love you guys. And without you, we would be uh, nothing. So um, yeah, keep listening please if you if you want to. Uh, because 2022, I think, holds some, some promising stuff for the podcast, it right Tris? It does indeed. We've got a couple of guests lined up who will be released in due course. So keep your eyes and keep your ears. Peace.
appealed for those announcements we would like to say firstly a very very happy christmas to everyone a happy new year and let's see you guys back here in 2022 thank you so much for listening good luck on boxing day and happy christmas thanks guys happy christmas nice